Good morning. It's really good to see you guys today. Enjoy coming over here on this side of the river, hanging out with my SunWest family. That's good. How many of you guys had a good uh, Canada Day experience yesterday? Was it good? Yeah? You saw the fireworks? Yeah? I'll tell you a little story about my, um, my encounter with the fireworks yesterday. Is My family, they are in BC, and so I'm actually on my own this weekend. Can you imagine that? <sighs> and so, I, I, so Kristen, she said, she said, Drew, you still got to at least go do something for Canada Day and see the fireworks. It's like, okay, I'll go do that. And so I drove up on the hill outside on, on the west side of uh, Ever, Evergreen, Ever, what's that community over there? Bridalwood over there on the west. There's a hill that they're building some stuff on. So I drove on there and I, was, I had this huge panoramic vision of the, or view of the, of the city and I was like, this is going to be incredible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just like, soak this whole thing in. There's about 50 cars lined up and we're all just kind of waiting for the fireworks to come on. What we didn't know was that the fireworks are going to be on the north side of the buildings on downtown. And so we were all over there and we didn't see a single firework that went off. So that was my experience yesterday. I'm not I'm not too upset by that at all, really, but uh, it was good. Hey, as Jeff said, um, we are starting a brand new series uh, called 316. Now, when, when you see the reference and you see the numbers 316, what's the first verse that you think about? John 3.16, of course, we all think about John 3.16. We love John 3.16. I think John 3.16 is the one passage, one verse that really encapsulates the heart of God and the mission of God for us. But do you know how John 3.16 got to be so popular in, uh, in, in today's society? Let me, uh, <laughs> who said Austin 3.16 wrestling there? Uh, let me introduce to you a guy by the name of Roland Stewart. Roland Stewart. Roland Stewart was uh, a guy that became a, a Christian and was determined to get the message of Jesus out, uh, and he wanted to do it via television, and so he would uh, travel, and he would go across the country, and he would find all the major sporting events, and he would buy these uh, seats where he knew that the camera was going to be uh, on that part of the game in a big moment of the game. So if he was at an NFL game, he would get a seat behind the, um, the, the field goals. If he was uh, at a baseball game, he would try to get a seat behind a, a home home plate there. And uh, I mean, he made it like to a lot of different events. He, he snuck into the uh, Masters at, at, at Augusta. He was at the Indy uh, 500. He got behind the winning car there. He made his way to the Olympics and some uh, podiums. Uh, he, he became so famous that there was a Budweiser commercial that was done after him. There was a Simpsons spoof that was done after him. And Saturday Night Live did a parody that was played by Christopher Walken all after uh, Roland Stewart. Uh, Roland Stewart, things started going a little bit off, off the rails. Like if you thought this guy was weird before, things started getting a little bit off the uh, rails with him. He started uh, going across the, 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 the country again and, uh, and targeting like, like major um, churches, like the Crystal Cathedral, and then he would go to the American Music Awards and he would have these stink bombs and he would throw these stink bombs in the facility and then he would have a, a big sign that would says. Uh, God thinks this stinks. And, and that, was, that was his message that he wanted to get across to everybody. He, he was married a few different times. And in, in, in fact, in 1986, him and his wife went to the World Series and, uh, and they, were, um, being, they were in the 
positioned where the camera was coming and, and, and his wife was standing in the wrong spot of when the camera was coming. He got so mad at his wife that he started yelling at her and choking her on TV. And so you think that that was bad. Obviously, that marriage didn't really work out. And then, and then things just kind of kept on uh, snowballing for Roland Stewart. And uh, in 1992, he was in a standoff in a, in a California hotel during uh, which he entered a, a vacant room, and he thought the rapture was going to happen in six days, and he grabbed a maid, and he uh, kidnapped her and barricaded her in a, in a bathroom, and then put these, these 316 placards all over the, the window, and then started to threaten to shoot all the police and the air traffic and the helicopter. So currently, uh, Roland Stewart is in prison, and he is serving three consecutive life uh, sentences. John 3.16 didn't really sink into his heart that much, did it? I probably would have encouraged him to read the next verse in 3.16. The next verse in 3.17 says, God didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. But I think there are a few scriptures that the majority of us could recite together. And I am confident that, that we can all recite John 3.16 together. Can we do that? Can we do that? Right? So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Right. Good job. You can give yourself a hand for that. You got that. And I think somewhere in the middle of that, I switched over to Old King James. I'm not sure why I do that. As, as powerful as John 3.16 is over the next couple Sundays, what we want to do is examine some other 3.16 references. There is some incredible uh, riches and, and truths and insight and God's wisdom in 3.16 and other 3.16 uh, references that might get overshadowed by the John 3.16 reference. And so we want to give weight to, to uh, what's going on in the rest of Scripture here. So let's begin by a story. In the uh, 1950s, there was uh, a young boy. His name was Ollie, and he was a farm boy from Milan, Indiana. Now, now he had two great loves in life, Ollie did. He loved uh, spending time on the family tractor, and he loved being the equipment manager for the high school basketball team that he was on. By his senior year, Ollie was five foot three. And he had absolutely no intentions of playing on his school basketball team. But his coach, Norman Dale, needed to fill the team roster and convinced Ollie to, to suit up and be a part of the team as a player and not as an equipment manager. So Ollie agreed to do this. And, and the way that he contributed to the team throughout the year was his hope was that he just wouldn't get in the way of what was going on and what the other guys were doing. So he tried to stay on the bench for most of the season. But when he got called into the game, he would always be on the periphery of the, the game, hoping that he wouldn't get in the way. But toward the end of their season, and they had this incredible run because of an injury to another teammate and team foul trouble, Ollie was called on by his coach to finish the game so that they could head into the state finals. And all Ollie ever wanted to do was just to sit on the bench and be an equipment manager for the team. And he's about to be called in and to play the most important minute of their school's uh, basketball uh, career. And so what would happen in this uh, fateful moment? That we got a video here. Let's go, guys. All right, listen. After Ollie makes his second shot... 
and you will make your second shot. Get back on defense right away. There may just be enough time for them to throw in a desperation toss, okay? All right. Let's go. Put him in. Keith! Hey, the good one, Strap. Didn't know the grim so small down on the phone. Hey, don't worry about that, okay? You just concentrate on what you're doing and put them in the hole, all right? You can do it. Let's go. He got the basket in. Can you imagine taking a granny shot at the, at the state champions there? But that was, that was Ollie. He, he makes his second foul shot. Did you hear the words of his coach? That's really, really what I wanted you guys to hear before he went onto the, the court. His, his coach, paid, played by a very young-looking Gene Hackman there, said, after Ollie makes his second foul shot, and he turns to Ollie and he says, and you will make your second foul shot, there's a lot of encouragement that was coming from the coach in those words. I think when it comes to our faith, uh, a lot of us, we, we, can, we tend to feel like Ollie. We can be insecure. Uh, we feel insignificant. We can succumb to our, our doubts. Uh, there is a church in, in, the, in the New Testament that also was a lot like Ollie. Uh, the church was found in the city of Colossae, and that, that's the letter Colossians that we have. And the Colossians looked around them, and they were a, a small fish in a big sea, and they saw the pressures of the world, and they heard all the new philosophies, and they, they knew all the, all, the, all the different ways of thinking and the paradigms of the world around them, and they began to feel discouraged. They began to feel overwhelmed and outmatched. And, and I can't help but read about the church in Colossae and wonder if they didn't feel like they were too small to get in the game at times compared to what was going on in the world around them. And so we see Paul, he kind of acts as Gene Hackman over here. And he's like their head coach. And he says, he says to this church, this small church, he says, hey, Colossae, you Colossians, we, we, we need you in the game for Christ in a powerful new way. And so in his letter to the church, he keeps on uh, encouraging them and saying, hey, your strength and your salvation, it's going to come through, through Jesus. And time and time again, Paul reminds this church that Jesus is the son of the living God. 
The book of Colossians was an encouragement letter to get in the game for the, the Lord with power. And in the middle of the world that says Jesus was a way and Jesus is not the way, Paul was saying, no, 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 Jesus is the way. Jesus does hold power. That's why I, I think we can relate to this church quite easily because uh, that's a similar sound that's coming in our culture today. Almost at every turn, it, it seems like someone's trying to discredit uh, Christianity or who Jesus is, and they're, they're, not, they're not lifting him up. No one's, no one's glorifying him. And, and at times, people are portraying Jesus as, as a good man, as a, as a philosopher, maybe as somebody that was before his time, kind of like, like an early Gandhi, if you, if you will. But the book of Colossians would have something to say about that. So I do think we have more in common with the church in Colossae than we realize. I want to be clear this morning for us that are uh, professing Christians and followers of, of Christ, that to profess Christ means to say that he is Lord of lords, he is King of kings, he is the powerful Prince of peace, he is, he is mighty to save. But even in the middle of, of that, it's... it's uh, easy to succumb to some of the arguments that we hear from around us. And Paul wants to strengthen and encourage this church. And in doing so, he wants to strengthen you and me. And so my purpose this morning is to do that, is to encourage us, is to strengthen our, our faith in the ways and the truths of Jesus. And so our 316 passage this morning is out of uh, Colossians 3, chapter 16. We have it on the screen up here. Would you, would you be willing to stand with me? And I, I'd love for us to read this uh, verse together. This is, this is what Colossians 3:16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There you go. You may be seated. Thank you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I would like to focus the remaining of our time together on, on four words that we see in this passage. The first word is dwell. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Uh, the word I like for that is marinate. Let the word of Christ marinate in you richly. You know what that uh, phrase, just before the word dwell, do you know what that means, the word, word of Christ? It, 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 there's, a, there's a lot of dialogue around this, but I'm becoming more and more convinced that this word of Christ means the good news of Jesus. It's the gospel about who he is as our Savior, that he has come for us as our children, and, and, that, and that we, in anticipation and in eager anticipation, await his, his return. And here, here's the thing about the word of, of Christ, is that the word of Christ that is to dwell in us richly is a choice that you and me make. It's a choice that we can, we can accept this truth or we can reject it. We can embrace it or we can push it away. That's God's plan from the beginning of time. That's been God's plan, that he has given every man and every woman the choice to accept his guidance or to reject his, his truth. The, the word of Christ is all those things that show us the, the, that the life and truth is, is found in him. And it's this word of Christ, it's this ongoing living good news of, of Jesus that Paul is saying, I want this word of Christ to dwell in you. That, that word dwell in, in the original Greek, it, it means to make home in. That this, the word of Christ would be made home in you. 
this ongoing, living, good news of Jesus Christ would, would find a place of welcome and, and place of belonging in who we are as Christ followers. And when you think about making something at home, I think that's what we think about. We think about hospitality. We think about welcome. We think about embracing. And this is what Paul is saying. I want you to do with the word of Christ. I want you to make it at home in your lives, that we are intentionally creating space for the word of Christ to dwell in us, to, to marinate in us. And Paul says that we're not just to have this word uh, casually or, or shallow. We're, we're supposed to have this word dwell in us richly. Uh, the word rich in, in, in the Greek here means to fill up to overflowing. That we are to fill ourselves to the point where we are overflow with the word of Christ. What a beautiful image that is, isn't it? I, I brought... Uh, something with me here today. Uh, this is uh, an unopened uh, little bottle of Pepsi. I got it because it says Happy Birthday Canada, and I thought it was suitable for this weekend. But this is, this is actually uh, very appropriate to what Paul is, is saying, uh, he, how he wants the word of Christ to dwell in us and live in us, and that we are containers. And Paul talks about this in different letters, that we are containers, and, 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 the, and the liquid in here is the word of Christ. And what he's saying is, I want you to have this liquid of Christ, this word of Christ filled up in you, and, and it's filling up to overflowing. And so you, it's like, Okay, let's see what's going to happen here. There you go. Just like that. And that's what he's saying, I want the word of Christ to look like in you. See, what comes out of your life when pressure is on you? What comes out of your life when tragedy strikes? What comes out of your life when you, when you take a, a hit? Is it the word of Christ or is it something else? I, uh, just a couple weeks ago was the two-year anniversary for um, some shootings that happened down in, in Charleston, um, South Carolina. You might uh, remember this. Do you remember this? Where uh, a, a boy, a young man came into a church where they're having a prayer meeting, and he prayed with them. And then after the, at the end of the meeting, he uh, took out a gun, and he opened fire, and he, and he killed everyone in the meeting. He was convicted, and he was put into, uh, through the whole uh, judicial process there, and in the courts, and went through trial, and is in jail right now. Um, but... While this is going on, it is the right of the victim's family to confront uh, the accused and, and the convicted. And so I, I remember I, I was watching this on CNN, and they were live streaming this. And these individuals that had just had their mom and sister and brother, uh, all these individuals that had tragedy and, and these people that they loved and that were in their life taken away from them in such a cruel manner. They confronted the, um, the, the killer. And, and I remember the voice of, the, of, one, of one lady who was describing the pain that she was feeling because of his actions. But, and as she was describing the pain and the loss that she felt and the loss that she would always feel, and that, she, that, that this young man had taken their family away for the rest of their lives, she finished off by saying this, but I want you to know I forgive you. I, I forgive you. 
because, because God has forgiven me and, and he loves me. And because of his love for me and, and how he has forgiven me, I am compelled to forgive you. How does someone come to that place where they can forgive a killer of their own family? The word of Christ was dwelling in them richly. So when your life is shaken and it's under pressure, what, what comes out of you? Is it anger? Is it judgment? Is it blame? Is it, is it hatred? Or, or do the words of Jesus come to surface? And they come out of, of your being and your, your, your life. Words of love and peace and forgiveness. We are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Here's the second word I want us to uh, uh, remember today. The first word is dwell. The second word is to teach. We are to teach with wisdom. In Paul's time, the, the church was being hit with a lot of half-truths and outright lies. In the same way today, I, I think there's a lot of half-truths that are going around about the church and, and even heresies that are going around. And Paul is encouraging the Colossians to get together and teach the truth and admonish one another with wisdom. Now, now to teach, it simply means to impart information. This is the side of the encouragement that, that shares the truth. Uh, we are to understand and learn the truth of, of the word. And this is not always easy, is it? Because to, to learn the truth of the word and to apply the truth of the word means that we need to humble ourselves to the word of Christ and, and apply that into our lives. But we must take the time to learn and teach the truth of, of God's will and his plan for us through Jesus. This is an essential part of the Christian faith. And, and the word here that we read, the word for admonish, would also mean to warn or guard against what is right and what is wrong. You see, there will be times that we are going to need to guard against what's going on and guard our brothers and our sisters in Christ and to warn them about what is wrong and what is, what is right. And we don't do this in a judgmental way. We don't do this in a condemning way. We're not slapping people around or anything. But we do this in, 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 a, in a spirit of kindness and of love so we can help and we can protect our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so this is the responsibility that we have towards each other. And this is why understanding God's word and applying it, they go hand in hand. We need both. We need to understand the word of Christ and we need to apply it. It doesn't good to have the instructions in hand if we don't use them. This, uh, this past Christmas, I got my son, he's five, he was five years old. I got him a set of, of Lego. I got a, like the, the, the Lego spaceship, you know, for, that was good for like a five, six-year-old to build together. And so we, we, through the chaos of Christmas, we took all the Lego out and we put it on the ground there and then took the box, we held onto the box because I wanted the picture there. But for some reason, the set of instructions to build it got thrown away into the, the garbage bag. And I went to go look for it and I'm pretty sure it was in that bag, but that bag was just filled with like, like diapers and like old food. And I was like, I'm not digging around in this. I'm a guy. I know how to do this. Like how hard is it to really build a set, like a, a spaceship for a five-year-old with Lego? Like this is, this is going to be child's play. So I call, I call Pax and Or. I said, Pax, let's, let's build this spaceship together. And he's like, yeah, daddy, let's, let's do that. I was not very good at that. 
Uh, that did not go according to plan. And, and after a few minutes, Paxton was looking at this spaceship that we were attempting to build, and he's looking at the one on the box, and he's like, Daddy, this does not look like that. I know that, son. This is going to be a lesson in using your imagination. All right? Get at her. And I walked away. Uh, too often as Christians, I think we try to get through life by forgetting the word of Christ and the instructions that we see in the word of Christ. Maybe we do it because of our own pride. Maybe we do it because we see a lot of instructions around us and we're like, those are ridiculous instructions. Those are silly instructions. Yesterday, I was, I was at uh, Canadian Tire and I'm just meandering around Canadian Tire because I'm on my own. I have nothing else to do. So why not go to Canadian Tire? That seems like a very Canadian thing to do for a single guy on the weekend, right? So I'm just meandering around and, and, I, and I end up in the lane with the, with the chainsaws. And I'm looking at the chain. Again, it's just like that's a guy thing to do. I'm, I'm just digging the chainsaws. And I, and I see on, on, the, uh, on the side of one of the boxes, this is, the set, this is what it said, uh, the instruction, do not attempt to stop chain with your hands. I was like, really? You, you need to put that on there? I guess you do. I don't know. Often we see flat out weird instructions. And, and sometimes it, think, it makes us think that we are better off on our own. But if we are to stay encouraged and strengthened in Christ, pay attention to what the word of God is saying. Read it. Spend time in it. Marinate in it. Let it teach you. Let it instruct you. Let it, con let it convict you. Let it transform you. you. You really do have everything you need to live uh, a life that is full and complete in Christ by applying the wisdom and the, of, and the instruction of the word of Christ into our lives. And so we, we are compelled to teach the word of God and to encourage and to admonish and to correct and strengthen one another in Christ. So the first word that I wanted you to get is, is dwell. The second word is teach. The third word that I'd like us to remember is we are to sing. We are to sing with gratitude towards God. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs of gratitude in your hearts to God is what Paul says. And, and singing, if, if the teaching is about the information and, and, and the applying of information, what singing is about is about inspiration. The singing is, is, a, is about a heart posture. Worship has been and always and continues to be and always will be an issue of, of the heart. It's... It's less about style, and it's more about our posture of our hearts. I remember when I was in um, Bible college and in, in the 90s. And do you remember a church in the 90s, some of you? May, maybe, maybe not. In the 90s, there was a lot of, like, we call them the worship wars now. And there was a lot of, uh, of angst and, uh, and, and tension and stress around what we were singing. Were we singing contemporary songs? Were we singing hymns? Were we, were we liturgical? What, what was it that we were singing? Were we going to have drums? Are they allowed? What, what, are we, what are we doing? And I remember being in Bible college, and my, and my worship professor, uh, we, would, we would have to travel around uh, Alberta, B.C., and Saskatchewan, and we would go to churches and minister to them. And, and I remember what uh, our worship, uh, the guy that was in charge of the worship uh, program in the college that I went, Jerry, Paulson, he would say this uh, continually every, every week. It's just like ingrained in my head. He says, hey, when it comes to worship, it's not the songs that we sing. It's the heart that we bring. It's not the songs that we sing. 
It's the heart that we bring. You would say, well, well, okay. Well, what kind of heart should we bring? Well, Paul gives us some good instruction here. Maybe we should start with a posture of gratitude towards God for, for all that he has done for saving and redeeming and restoring. Uh, maybe we start in, in thankfulness that, hey, we live in like the best country in the world. Maybe we start in a position of gratitude saying, thank you for my spouse, thank you for my family, thank you for my church family, thank you for my small group and the friends that you have given to me. See, I really don't care what type of music or songs we share and as long as we glorify God and we show him with our heart that we are thankful for all that he has done in our lives. Simply put, we are to sing with gratitude that flows from our hearts. We sing because we're grateful. My, my question for, for you this morning here is, is when God hears singing from you, what does he hear? When God sees you at worship, what does he see? Does he find a person that is going through the motions? Does he find someone that is like, oh, the bass was too loud this morning. The drums what was up with the drummer today? Not that the drummer was, the drum was good today. Or does he, does he find someone with a heart of thanksgiving bringing glory to him to the best of your ability? I'm becoming more and more convinced that if, if, my, if our heart posture comes and begins at a place of, of worship, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what's happening on the stage. Because it's about my heart. And, and I, I want to come to a place to God where I'm just like, God, thank you for all that you are doing and what you continue to do. Fish Creek, you do this so, so wonderfully and so beautifully. You know, I'm standing in, in the back and I'm, I'm watching you guys worship. And, and, and I know what God is doing some good things in you and he's doing good things through you and he's done good things for you. And, and we, as you lift your voice and, and worship and hands are up and, and the music is going and, and I'm not listening to the music, I'm listening to your voices. And I want to encourage you to keep pressing in to the heart of God and worship. Keep on, keep on having a posture of gratitude towards God that's honoring to God. I want to commend you for that. So Colossians 3:16 Paul is sharing with us for the encouragement of the body of Christ he's saying hey dwelling in the word of Christ this is vital this is critical this is crucial crucial teaching each other in godly wisdom and admonishing each other in godly wisdom this is so important in the in the in the Christian life and singing with a heart of gratitude is important but there is one more thing that we need to consider to do here and you can find this final instruction in the in the next verse and so I'm going to cheat a little bit here I'm going to go into verse 17 here, but this is what Colossians 3.17 says. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The fourth word that I'd like you to remember this morning is do. Do all things in Christ's name giving thanks to God through him. You see, so far, what we have talked about is mainly things that we do amongst each other, amongst other Christians. We, we study and, and, we, and we sing 
and, and we train and, and we prepare and we correct and we, and we teach. And, and to be honest, I think about it like, like a practice. Uh, we are preparing for what is coming by practicing right now. That, the important part of the game is, is not right now. It's what happens after this moment, after we leave this facility and we go into our work week and we come back into our relationships. It's the Monday through the Saturday that is the important part of the game. And, and I feel, I fear that some of us are more like Ollie than what we would like to think. And we're content with just sitting on, on the bench and we will practice and, and we, will, we will pontificate and we will sing and we will do all that because it's safe in here. But when it comes to the game, then like Ollie, then we kind of want to just stand to the side and off to the periphery and hope that nobody notices. The, the truth is, in just a few minutes, uh, practice is over. Our time here in worship will be over. The teaching will be done. And it's going to be game time. And we need you out there what Paul is saying to do in this verse. That whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Can I ask the band, the worship team, to come up? Uh, friends, if, if we're going to make uh, an, an impact, an influence on our surroundings, on our environment, in this community, in this city, uh, for, the, for the world, uh, we need you to be doing the things that we talk about in here, out there. We need you. This community needs you. We have prepared, and now our time to make a difference is going gonna, is gonna to begin. And we do that not for our glory, not for the glory of Sun West, not so we can lift up the name of, of anything other than God. And I, I am confident that much like Ollie, if you go out for God, he will shine through you. He will shine for you. And you will shine for him. If you don't know the end of the, of the story of Ollie, uh, they, they win that game and they go into the state champion and they win that game as, as, as well. But if Ollie hadn't gotten off the bench, there's no telling what would have happened. They wouldn't have won that game. If you don't know how this story ends, let me tell you, Jesus was and he is victorious. And all those that believe in him and live for him will be crowned victorious someday. But you have to get off the bench and get into the game. And if you do that step for the Lord, I believe you will have life like you've never had it before. That's the promise of Jesus. John 10, 10, I've come to give life and I give it abundantly. Not just so we can stay in practice, so we can apply the principles and the truths of Scripture and our relationship with God in our everyday lives. The choice is up to you, but we need you. Amen? Amen. Can you stand as we sing? Thank you. Uh, 
that's the posture that we want to begin this, uh, this week is a posture of gratitude. We are grateful for all that you've done, your, the word of Christ that dwells in us. Father, I pray for uh, Fish Creek here. I, I pray that as we head into this summer that, that we would create uh, time and space in our summer so, so we are dwelling in the word of who you are and the richness of your spirit. Father, that we would be able to take the instruction that we, we read about in, in Scripture and we are able to apply it into our, our lives. And Father, we return that back to you in a song of, of praise. I, I pray, Father, that you would continue to grow us and mature us and push us, God, but not just for the sake of ourselves so we could be puffed up and say, look how spiritual I am, look how smart I am, look how, how much of the Bible I know, but, Father, that we would put into practice those things that you instruct us to do. Father, we would be a shining light for you. And we, we would do these things in your name, for your glory. No other one, no other fame, for your fame, the fame of Jesus. In your name, all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining with us, joining us with us you know what I'm trying to say this Canada Day weekend. Have a great weekend and a great summer.